Designing the Robot Revolution unpacks the tools, methods and trends influencing the work of creating wonderful automation, good for business, people and planet. We discuss the topics that come up when working on the front line of automation. In this episode, David takes us through the phenomena of autonomous shipping and how that will affect our consumption behaviours. We also look at automation of shipping as an inspiration and how we can use that inspiration to automate other systems. So Jacob, I saw I saw a talk from uh, an innovative joint venture between two really historic, big, traditional shipping mm-hmm. companies, and they're seeking to transform the shipping industry. They've created these, or, or well, proof of concept autonomous ships, and the vision is that you're going to be able to have entirely autonomous ships with no crew. At the moment, you'll have these big shipping containers. You've probably seen them stuck outside the different ports in the US recently and all the shortages that's causing and supply chain shock. But they're going to be able to move to be able to have... It was mainly caused by the real disruption from the pandemic and one of the most... um, industry's biggest hit was shipping and you had people these poor people working on ships who were stuck out on boats they weren't being allowed in to any any port if you remember they were they were stuck on there for months and 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 everyone was refusing to have just regular people working in shipping yeah who got caught out by the pandemic yeah because i remember the cruise ships but i don't really remember the the shipping people but it makes sense yeah i mean these people have quite tough lives or working lives already they will be away from their families for months and months on end the living conditions are okay but not not great on these big ships that go around the world you you, you're relatively cooped up um and yeah isolated and i guess it doesn't really help your social life when you get back as well it's you're out for three months and people tend to maybe move move on. Some people must like it, though. Yeah, I think some people must like it. Um, I'm sure yeah, you, you, you travel, a unique way to see the world. Um, some people like being away from their family, I guess. <laughs> um, but all in all, probably quite quite rough. Uh, I, I think we yeah. can we can agree on that for sure. Um, and so the the vision for these autonomous ships is that you'll be able to have a crew based on land, and a crew mm. of say five or six people who will be able to control a fleet of say ten vessels all remotely. And this really cool. reduces the cost of having ships because the um, cost of manning these ships is a significant factor, but then also the things you have to have on a ship because it has people. So the water, the sewage, all the safety um, elements have to be there. A kitchen is huge. Their target customer segment is not ship owners. So they're kind of saying, hey, look, first where we are now in terms of the technology we're not looking to re- to replace these massive cargo ships and make them fully autonomous we're starting with mm-hmm. smaller 
ships that stay very close to land. Oh. Um, and the direct replacement is lorries, trucks. But that's uh, that's an interesting, uh, just to tie that in with Elon Musk and his tiny satellites right. uh, zooming about. That's yeah. going to change that dynamic drastically. All of a sudden, you can actually have autonomous things going out, going on in the ocean, like far out in the ocean as well. It doesn't matter. You have connectivity everywhere. That's yeah. potentially transformative. And then there's these knock-on, whether it's satellites or whether it's shipping, there's these con- these knock-on consequences that come down, for example, with shipping, but it's the same with satellites. What what are the um, legal consequences for the sta- you know the standard responsibility that we have? There's a in shipping. Forgive me if I don't get the terminology right, but there's a kind of a supervisor who has a specific legal responsibility for the 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 ship and everything that's on there, and that that person is on the ship, and they that comes with a whole heap of responsibilities. Mm. Initially, with the autonomous shipping, they're going to keep the role. But the person won't be on the ship, so you have. But they see that over mm. time you'll need to create new new types of roles because you'll have this kind of legacy roles that don't fit the model anymore. Right, that don't make any yeah. sense if there are no people. And then also curriculum. At the moment, you have all of these schools for people who want to go and work in shipping, and and it's going to be a very different job. I mean, if if it's on land-based, yeah. controlling several ships rather than being physically on a ship. So there's you, you, we're at the kind of still early stage autonomous shipping. If you look at it, they're not where they're aiming for. It's it's smaller ships closer to land, um, and so it's it's early. But already you can see how the knock-on effect in terms of education and laws and legal responsibilities and, and many other things are, are, are going to be impacted by this automation yeah I, I think the it's the use case that makes it be they're directly trying to replace trucks and so therefore it makes sense to be you're you know close to things right, but when yeah. you go in kind of transcontinental okay, ships out in open water i haven't seen anything where yeah that there is actually a sh- an autonomous ship actually traveling at that level of scale. No. I mean, the consequences of getting it wrong become very much larger. So I guess it makes sense to start with yeah. a couple of containers on a ship yeah. rather than a million. But the, the part that I found probably so, I was really interesting to learn about, you know, the progress that's being made in autonomous shipping, the knock-on impact for other associated industries it's mm. going to change the uh supply chains you know the autonomous uh loading and unloading as well and then it will integrate into mm. autonomous trucks within the port initially and then beyond so you're seeing these building blocks of autonomous supply chains just bubbling up now kind of just coming through and it's going to be really interesting to see yeah. how quickly they become mainstream and and that we do get to this end point of having these massive cargo ships but but it, if it's fully yeah. autonomous does it i wonder if the size of the, of the ships even makes sense to have 
is the reason we have massive cargo ships because we are not autonomous, because we have to consolidate all of this cargo into one vessel because of the way it's manned. But if it, if we have full autonomy, maybe you just have a lot more smaller vessels just buzzing around. It makes sense to me that a larger ship would consume less fuel per container. Yeah. So it only makes sense if you can make it but, sustainable and, in terms of this energy is, as well. Yeah, sorry, that's, should, that's are, the second are, thing. All of these are designed um, electric from the start. And if you can make it um, okay. renewable energy, so they're entirely powered by solar or wind. Right. Or, or ocean. Yeah. I mean, then there's another aspect to it as well. Like, okay, we want instantaneous shipping for everything and, and blah, blah, blah. But uh, we want instantaneous shipping. That's a thing. But if we don't have people on board ships, they can be much slower without yeah. it costing more. If they're based on renewable energy, they don't have any people on board. They could just be tugging along yeah. near the coastline very slowly. Uh, so that could probably be a way to bring renewable mm. energy into the transportation sector because, yeah, you could make it more efficient and need less. Maybe you can even have locally, as you say, locally sourced energy. Shipping is such an integral part of our culture. I would be surprised if shipping isn't one of those things that always increases every year. So I guess having small autonomous ships where possible, wherever you have a river or a coastline, if you could reduce shipping by land by having small cargo boats going up and down and up and down, and then have those ships be fossil free, fossil free, fossil fuel free, that would be fantastic. That would be a, an actual game changer probably um and, and zooming out what what i found so it's it's interesting in itself the potential and these these developments in autonomous shipping but zooming out what i found mm. particularly interesting about it is that it's it's an example of a of a, of a tr very traditional industry that is going through a transformation propelled by or driven largely by the demand for more sustainable behavior and the impact of what that means for mm. the existing players within the shipping industry. And I found a, an academic paper called creating value through product service software systems in institutionalized ecosystems, the case of autonomous ships and what this paper suggests is that actually autonomous shipping is a great example of a traditional industry where there's traditional power hierarchies where things have been done a certain way for a very long time that's facing mm -hmm. a transformation, in this case driven by the need for more sustainable shipping and other things like reducing the cost of shipping, but there's a momentum for this shift within shipping. But that, that applies to other in industries as mm. well, have this reason. But what, what the reality yeah. of that 
force means is that you have to have ecosystems of actors who've never collaborated before coming together to deliver these new product service systems, in this case, autonomous shipping. So the paper describes how successful autonomous solutions require smart product service systems and new business models that suppliers will adopt. And in order to, to, to move into this these new products and services, in this case, autonomous shipping, it requires innovative technologies and new digital servitization business models that enables an, a business ecosystem that aligns actions and value propositions of many actors. So I mentioned earlier on within this, you have the, the cargo people, mm. the logistics companies, the shipping companies, but now also these software, new enterprise software startups coming in. And you have to align all these many different actors right. to deliver this system of value. And this is traumatic for the big traditional shipping companies. They've been around generations. And now they're having to adapt to this new ecosystem world. What they have, though, yes. is capital within that space. They have a lot of money and they have, a, a, I guess, tendency is a way of describing it, of investing that money into maritime activities. So it makes sense that these players, if they act on it, can be a part of it. But you also see in other examples, um, yeah. new players coming in, the software people coming in yeah. and taking over because they create the solution and something that works. Um, I'm, I'm hesitant to use Uber because I it's such a it's such a used and there are problems with with Uber, but they come in, they have the software, and they basically take over by building. I mean, Uber could actually go in and do that. Yeah. A likely player is Amazon. Would they? I mean, I would be very surprised if Amazon isn't looking into autonomous yeah. vehicles for transporting goods uh, mm -hmm. in from in the form of trucks or trains, but. Yeah. Why not small cargo ships to so, transfer yeah, whilst, stuff around? As you say, these these big ship, these big historic ship, they have the the money. Great, but they are they're facing territory. To your point there, that they're going to be invaded. Their territory is going to be invaded by, for example, an Amazon or an Uber coming along. And they they they're really staring down the barrel of this adapt or die situation, and. What they they are used to, and this article, this academic article, goes on to describe how these players, the big traditional shipping companies, are used to being having established roles and established power positions and ways of doing things that have been that way for generations, and now they're being asked to create value in an eco in an ecosystem that has many actors with different goals and different perceptions of what the solution could be and different perceptions of what value could be delivered and to who. And they're having to come in and, and play ball in this space. And it's really uncomfortable for them. 
After the break, we continue our seafaring adventure and we talk more about how the neatness of this system makes it a really good case study for automating other systems. I think this example, and I'm guessing that's part of why you bring it up, this example is so neat. it's, It's lovely because it's so easy to understand the entire chain it's complex for sure but you can actually understand moving a good from one point to another and then you have all these actors you need the software people you need the people onloading and offloading you need the 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 ships in of itself you need yeah whatever infrastructure but it's kind of neat it kind of isn't much more and i'm very naive right now but it's to me it doesn't seem a lot more complex than a factory Mm. or a warehouse where also there's also a big push for automation so all of these industries what they have in common for me is that they are delineated you you can delineate them you can make a system map of them Mm. in a reasonable way and then you have other yeah. things like autonomous cars. Yeah. That system is much larger. It has much more uh, in uh, actors, regulation, yeah. much more difficult. So I think looking at these smaller systems and automating them, uh, take an automated home, an automated warehouse, an automated factory, where you can actually make that delineation and identify localized value and i think that's uh, that's very neat and i i really yeah it's it's a it's a really cool example of of one of those systems that exactly. can be i think it's a great automated. example and and the in the literature they describe these these new types of business ecosystems and that what's happening you can you can view business ecosystems in in at least two different ways there's an actor centric view where you look at it in terms of okay who am i as an actor dependent on so who's further down the chain than me and who's supplies me and that's how you can start to find symbiotic relationships but to your point i think when you you mentioned it really what's going on here is there's yeah. two types of business ecosystem or t- two different perspectives on business ecosystems. The first one is actor centric. So you as a, as a business entity, look around you and see who are my suppliers? Who else is my customer engaging with? Who else is relevant within my industry or, or next to it? And, and so you, you identify your ecosystem by looking around and seeing other actors. That's one perspective. And that is uh, autonomous car could be an example of that, right? You have such a complex system around you that you have to look at yeah, you and exactly who that is would be taking you. an actor centric view to autonomous cars. The activity-centric view, which is just a different perspective. So you might be looking at the same ecosystem, but you're just viewing at it from a different perspective. The activity-centric view flips it to instead look at who is the receiver of the, the value created. 
So instead of mm. looking around and identifying all these other actors around me, you look at what value is being created or potentially being created and for who. And through that lens, you identify who's in the ecosystem. Right. And that would be, for example, an autonomous factory could be one of those where you have activities. I'm, I'm trying to simplify so I think it. it would be, if you use the, use the autonomous cars, because both, both of them, because it would maybe be a delivery driver or a, a fleet of delivery vehicles who need to get just-in-time delivery. You're looking at it from the activity point of view. You're looking at it from the value that's being created point of view. And, and starting from that position and then looking at how you create a, a business ecosystem from that rather than looking at it from the actor-centric point of view. But you can be looking at the same ecosystem, but it's from two different perspectives. Last episode, when we spoke to Katerina, uh, where she was speaking about um, mobility is actually the core, uh, the activity that we want. And her reasoning then was that in order for a car company to become a mobility company, they have to be okay with working with uh, electric scooters and public transportation and bicycles in order to create the best mobility solution rather than looking at the car, how to make that uh, traveling by car a service. And and one of the challenges with activity-based in this emerging taking autonomous shipping that is just, mm -hmm. just it's, it's just bubbling up. It's just coming through. It's not mature. The, the boundaries mm -hmm. are unclear because the actual system value proposition, in this case, autonomous shipping, is it really early stage development and the value it creates and who it creates value for is unclear because it's new. And you might have to expand your system in order to provide the value or contract yeah. and leave someone out in order yeah. to create the value optimally. That's going to be painful, though. Like you work on an initiative and then, yeah, you're not really bringing yeah, any value. You have to have so that fluidity you and move away from... Yeah. This really kind of actually nostalgically quite comfortable position of like big incumbents. We've been doing shipping this way for five generations. We know what value we're delivering. And yeah, yeah we could start to do the actor centric and start to look a bit further down the chain and think, oh, we could move into that and expand our business further into the supply chain or into. But when you instead take yeah. something, the activity centric, which is actually thinking it through now taking the activity centric view is is almost in is almost necessary or certainly you can see why it's more mm. more necessary when it's an emerging or new area right. because you can take actor centric when it's something established yeah. can't you but when it's something entirely new there aren't the actors the actors don't exist so you instead have to take the activity centric view looking starting with what yep. value is being delivered because the actors aren't there. Do we have any examples of 
activity or actor based that has worked? Do we have any tangible where that has actually given us a new service system? It must be lots. I mean, um, but am I am I thinking of it wrongly? Because to me, Rolls Royce did the same thing. Yeah, they were producing engines for aircraft. Then they decided that this is not a sustainable business model for one reason or another. Well, that's a servitization. That's it is a servitization, but it's it's from the perspective of the actor Rolls Royce. But I think actor centric would involve Rolls Rolls Royce which is maybe what they did, saying, we are Rolls-Royce engines, we just make engines. We see that our engines are being used in planes. Therefore, we're going to start selling service contracts to the plane operators. Ah, I see where this gets confusing It's now. the same thing, it but just viewed be... from a different angle. Yeah, it is. So what we can take away from this is that depending on what, view you choose because it is a choice you're gonna have a different starting point where our hypothesis here today is that the activity-based could also be called value-based and is driven by customer value rather than our capabilities that might or might not prove to be valuable in a servitization effort and that's even more important to do that when it's an emerging or new area. Because if it's an established business, right. you can look along and see the actors because they're already there. But in an emerging yeah. business, there aren't the actors there. So you need to take this activity based. Okay. So where does this leave us then? Uh, in summary, what I'm taking with me from this is... Activity-based development of services is a way of creating new value, not just creating a new business model around your current value. And when it comes to shipping, smaller, autonomous, cleaner ways of shipping, at least locally to start with, um, I'm I'm concerned about the speed because people are expecting stuff so fast. Yeah, it's interesting. This I've been thinking the same about the speed thing. I, I was thinking some things people want fast, other things don't matter, don't, don't they? Um, no. I think we all came unstuck with the just-in-time. The, the part of the problem with the pandemic was exposed that we had all these supply chains that were all about just-in-time delivery. Um, and that was not very resilient. Um, you can solve it by having higher quality stuff as well. If you have higher, if you have a culture Mm. of wanting high quality stuff that are then more expensive, they don't necessarily break in the same way that stuff does now then you can have a slower logistic chain just because it yeah. becomes less urgent. But is this going to be maybe also part of a cultural shift? We we, we need to be less... 
less demanding in terms of an expectation that let me put it this way there's these new in 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 city city centers in the US and UK I know for example you can get 15 minute delivery from your yep. local store like you can order something and 15 minutes later it's dropped off at your house wow it's that's quick though but that can still work because a store has a set inventory so that doesn't matter you're still going to have that, I'm guessing. You're going to have, like, even if you don't have, let's say, a computer store in the center of town, you're still going to have a computer logistics hub where you have all the standard stuff. And you can have 15-minute delivery on that. That doesn't matter. It's when you need something from Germany, like a, a fancy microphone stand if you're doing a podcast. That can take a little while because you're looking for something very specific and niche and you can maybe be okay with it taking four days mm. but whereas when i like i think a cable is the most annoying thing is if i have to wait a week for a cable because it's all just standard stuff so i don't want to wait mm. for that i'm i don't have time for that <laughs> but um so I think the, but I, there is a need for a cultural shift, and I think everyone agrees, but don't want to talk about but it. I think aren't we all hoping three D printing comes and sort this sort this out, so we can just have everything printed super quick? Because the cable could just be printed from your home three D or your neighborhood three D printer and done. In a sense, but then you you all, you need microchips. I, I think that that future is far away. For mechanical stuff, three D printing is great. Electronic stuff, maybe if you have standardized components and you sort of can build things. Um, Local manufacturing, though, that is an awesome topic, which ties into logistics. Um, uh, Yeah, that could turn everything upside down. I mean, me just reflecting Mm. on kind of takeaways from these articles and, and these discussions that shipping itself is going to be is something already that is under increasing pressure to transform because that stat alone mm. that 16 of the world's biggest ships pollute more than all the cars i mean it has got yeah. away it hasn't hit the headlines in terms of the same as like flight chain for example but it, there's a clear sustainability focus now on shipping being attacked a big part of that solution is going to be um, autonomous shipping and uh, re- re- electric shipping, or at least kind of um, carbon neutral or yeah. zero emission shipping. So it's made it imperative that the shipping industry are, lo- are, 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 are ready for transformation and are trying to actually transform themselves. Mm. What that has created is, is a really great kind of case study or example of in this case it's focusing in on autonomous shipping but the lessons are are appropriate for other types of big transformational shifts in other types of industries but it's a really great microcosm shipping Mm. because it's very you know it's visual isn't it we all can have seen those big ships we all know about them that yeah and you yeah, can imagine the smaller do. system as well. Yeah. What what they're trying to achieve is imaginable. And I think that's a strong that's you shouldn't underestimate that because it's 
such a big like that's how you get investors right that's how you make people spend money on something yeah yes exactly it's something people understand it's not kind of theoretical or this kind of you know loose thing it's really grounded isn't it yeah, and you're right, and that will lead that, to people understanding, it and therefore invest, investors understanding it. But the, as through through this transformation, they have to take an activity based ecosystem view on it. I.e., starting by looking at what what is the value potential value that's being delivered to potential different types of users and customers. They can't really take the actor centric view. Because the actors don't exist. It's an entirely new ecosystem that's being pulled together. But right. we, you can look at the value that's being delivered. And that what this requires is having established power holders who are used to just having things their own way, having to collaborate and distribute how the value is shared between their ecosystem partners in completely new ways. But only if they want to be a part of it, right? If the value is there, the chances are that someone else is going to do it. So I don't see, for me personally, I don't see the problem there. Yeah. I see the problem for the shipping companies. If they don't, if they are not active in this, yeah, they might be left behind. Yeah, and that's their choice. Do they want to kind of be on the, do they want to transform yeah. themselves or do they want to have their whole industry transformed? Because you're absolutely right. If the, if the value is clearly there... Yeah someone else will come and do it amazon or uber that's when amazon does it if the if the shipping companies don't see it but amazon does then they're out of the game because they don't have that much money they have uh on the margins yeah. a time yeah. advantage because mm. they're already in the space of building boats so it's a really interesting kind of microcosm of the the transformation that's going on in lots of different industries that when we look at it through shipping you can really yeah. kind of see it understand it and it has all these characteristics that also exist within other industrial transformations yeah if you want to help designing the robot revolution please follow us on your favorite podcast app and if you want to get in touch with us either linkedin or google mail and designing the robot revolution at gmail.com have a nice day you you need to say that, that exactly what you just said yeah. you need to say that so it's so, understandable <laughs>